Welcome to the Middle East Update with Amir Sarfati. Amir discusses the latest news from Israel and the region through the lens of biblical prophecy. The original video versions can be found on Behold Israel's YouTube and Facebook channels. To make it convenient, we've converted them to audio format to keep up with your busy schedule. Be sure to also subscribe to Amir Sarfati on Telegram for daily updates from the Middle East. Amir's Middle East updates are based on the latest and most reliable sources, so you know you're getting the most accurate news. Now, on to the update. Shalom, everyone. This is Amir Tsarfati. Good evening from Galilee, from Israel. Chag Purim Sameach. Happy Purim holiday. We're going to talk about Purim, what it means. We're going to talk about uh, the current situation that we have today with a Persian uh you know, dictator that wants to obviously eradicate the Jewish people once again, 2,500 years later. But all of that after we start with a prayer. So, Father, we thank you so much that we can come before you and uh, look into world events from the only lens and the only perspective that not only makes sense, but it's also accurate and it's also very precise. We thank you, Father, that the Bible is authentic, reliable, and accurate. We thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that we can rely on your promises that are yes and amen. And we ask, Father, that as we look into world events, we will not be anxious or, or afraid. We will remember your uh, promise to us that you are not only in full control, but you told us not to be troubled. So we thank you and we bless you in the name of Yeshua, the Holy One of Israel, we pray. Amen. Amen. Shalom, everyone. Again, this is Amir Tzalfati from Galilee, from Israel. It is Purim, the holiday, uh, probably the happiest holiday for the uh, Israeli Jewish children, of course, all across the world. This is the uh, Jewish version of Halloween in a sense of, of a lot of people wearing different costumes. But, but we're, we're going to have to deal with the biblical aspect of this holiday. And by the way, this is not one of the holidays that are in uh, the uh, Leviticus 23 uh, uh, list of biblical holidays that God commanded Israel to celebrate. But nevertheless, it's a holiday that is beloved by uh, so many people because once again, we see the good hand of God protecting his people according to his promise. The topic of this update today is uh, the Iran-Israel war before the war, the shadow war, which is right now before the real war, which is, of course, what Ezekiel described. We'll, we'll look into that in a few minutes, but allow me first to tell you that just a few hours ago, the Israeli defense minister, Benny Gantz, visited uh, Israel's uh, uh, leading um, military weapon uh, industries, both Rafael and Elbit, and they are both working right now on developing a missile defense system that is based on laser beam. Um, and uh, I'd like to show you what it looks like. This is the uh, what we are unveiling, revolutionary laser-based air defense system. Today, the Israeli defense ministry gave a green light to those two companies to go ahead and um, start working on an active uh, uh, system for us. 
you know, it's one thing to develop it. It's another thing to have a customer. Uh, and of course, this is what Israel just uh, did. We, we gave them the thumbs up, the green light, go ahead. We're going to purchase it. Now, what, how, why is it so amazing? It's because if the Iron Dome, which Israel uh, developed also, if one th- missile that we send to, to obviously shoot down an enemy's rocket, one missile costs $100,000. This laser beam is cheap. It's nothing. It's the same beam. You don't have to bring new rockets and arm it once again. It's the same beam. And it is so powerful and it is so effective. And this is why it is Israeli innovation, Israeli technology from scratch. It's all Israeli, um, not just the, the, the idea, but the, the, it's a break, groundbreaking technology what we have. Because we can hit the rocket in enemy's territory already. And it can uh, actually be uh, effective to mort- for mortars, for um, grad missiles for uh, short-range, medium-range, and long-range missiles, something that uh, the Iron Dome is not even uh, able to cover. So this is a very, very good news. Uh, we project uh, you know, about a year from now that it will be operational. And Israel is also working. This is a unit on the ground. We're also testing a unit that will be used in the air by aircraft. So it, it's, uh, you know, you're going to have uh, laser beams from the ground, laser beam from the air, and that will give us a much better coverage from enemies' missiles. And speaking of missiles, later on in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about those 12 surface-to-surface ballistic missiles that hit Erbil in northern Iraq. But first, Allow me to give you a little short update on the Ukraine. Okay, a lot of people are interested in what is going on there. This is the most updated map you can you can find, um, and and I'm I'm going to use that map to explain what I believe the Russians are trying to do. Okay, so there you go. First of all, you see the map of the Ukraine. I'm not even talking about Donbas area and the Crimea area, which are not even, I'm talking about the actual Russian invasion into mainland Ukraine. You can clearly see from the southeast, from the east, and from the north, there is uh, different uh, parts that the, the Russians uh, invaded. And I know they don't like us to use the word invasion, but it is invasion. It is a Russian forces on, on, on foreign land, and they move all the way towards, and now watch this. I don't know if you can see it, but the Dnieper River is actually running from the north to the south. Let me highlight it to you so you can clearly see it. There you go. That's the Dnieper River. And what we believe Russia is, is, is aiming is to take in the entire eastern part of the Ukraine all the way to the Dnieper. So you can clearly see now, um, the next map, you see that eventually Russia wants to, you're probably asking yourself, why would Russia want to deal with all of that region? So let me tell you that um, um, historically, and also on the ground, the facts on the ground is that that part of the Ukraine has the uh, largest number of Russian speaking people. Take a look at the 
the languages in the Ukraine and see for yourself, the red area is where the Russian speaking people are. Look at most of the East and the South. The South is even called Nova Russia. It's a, the new Russia. Then you're going to see in the center of Ukraine on both sides of the Dnieper, you see the mixed Russian and Ukrainian and only on the very Western part uh, with adjacent to the Polish border, you can clearly see that it's, predominantly only Ukrainian speaking area. So when when Putin wants to take uh, mostly the eastern part of the Ukraine all the way to the Dnieper, he basically wants to um, you know, control that which historically has been area that was heavily influenced by Russia, area where Russian speaking people uh, live up until today. Now, a lot of people are are wondering, Amir, um, aren't the Russians in trouble? Aren't they uh, not moving forward? Look, I'm not pro-Russian at all. I'm, in, I'm against all of this. I think Putin is doing horrific war crimes right now um, all around Ukraine. Don't get me wrong, but let me explain what the Russians are doing, because they've been doing so also in other places such as Syria. If you know how they dealt with the rebels in Syria, they did the same thing. They would advance all the way to the outskirts of a city. They will besiege the city and bombard it from the air, cause the people to flee, and then destroy it systematically until it's almost level to the ground. And this is what they've been doing in Mariupol, Mariupol in Kharkiv, in other places. They, I mean, those are ghost towns right now. The people are running away and uh, the places are being destroyed every day from the ground, from the sea and from the air. Now, some people told me, Amir, look, the Ukrainians are having great success. They shut down at least 50 um, Russian uh, aircrafts and uh, helicopters. Let me explain to you the difference between the Ukrainian and the uh, Russian uh, in uh, forces in numbers, so you understand why it's not such a big deal for the Russians to lose 50 aircrafts. Take a look at uh, the Ukrainian and the Russian uh, uh, in, uh, army in numbers, and you can understand that when an army has 4,400 aircrafts, losing 40 or 50 is not going to break it. When an army has 20,000 tanks, Losing even 300 or 500 is not going to break it. When an army law is losing 8,000 soldiers and, and he has over 700,000 of them, you understand it's not going to break it. And I'm saying that because people need to understand that there is a lot of um, disinformation that is propagated from the West as if Russia is losing. Where in reality, every officer, every military person, every head of army of uh, Western Europe knows that this is not the case. They all understand what the Russians are capable of. They all understand what the Russians have. And they all understand that uh, whatever Russia lost on the ground is nothing compares to what Russia still has and is capable of using and mobilizing against NATO and against, of course, even the United States if it needs. So 
let's not forget that Russia is not crushed. It's not done militarily. It has enough oxygen to move forward. And now I want you uh, to understand that, um, you know, eventually Russia wants to create some sort of um, power balance between NATO and the Eastern blockade. Take a look at this map, more or less, Russia wants to have the Ukraine and the Belarus and maybe a couple other uh, places there and create a balance versus NATO with, uh, and so you can see, of course, NATO has way, if you add Canada and America, I mean, it's huge numbers, but Russia has most of the numbers on location in Europe whereas much of NATO's forces are not in Europe. They're actually in America um, and uh, elsewhere. So, so I want you to understand eventually Russia wants to revive this delicate balance and they already uh, suggest that um, no matter what, Ukraine cannot be part of NATO. And uh, from what I understand, the peace talks between the Russians and the Ukrainians already reached the point where the Ukrainians already understand that being part of NATO is out of the question. Let me make it very clear. NATO uh, could have re uh, received uh, Ukraine long time ago but NATO did not. Uh, NATO uh, obviously kept stalling it. And at this point, the Ukrainians understand it's, uh, it's not going to happen. Russia will not leave until Russia understands that Ukraine will never be part of NATO. And all of that is to create this balance that I just showed you that will make the Russians feel like they are not outnumbered anymore on European continent. So it has to be very clearly understood now. The Russians, look, they don't roll their tanks in order to take over immediately. They have their own way of fighting. What they do, they, they, they advance slowly, slowly, where they besiege major cities, let the people flee, destroy them, and then they move on. They don't, there's no point of rushing all the way in because what are you going to do with it later? They still want the Ukrainians to control Ukraine, but they want to be there to make it clear that Ukraine must submit to the Russian demands. And so when everybody is saying that Russia is losing, let me tell you, it's not exactly the case on the ground. Don't let them uh, uh, deceive you. Now, I can tell you, that much of the war is still without Russia's heavy guns, without Russia's mains and the most sophisticated bombers and, 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 uh, and fighter jets. Russia not yet has not yet used its uh, best of the best of its weapons. And I can also tell you that because Russia has not used its best of best, the Ukrainians are having an advantage by using Turkish-made UAVs that are sowing a lot of, uh, uh, or, or basically giving the, the, the Russians on the ground a lot of headache. They, they shoot Russian vehicles and Russian um, armored uh, forces from the air. Um, and uh, more than ever before in the last six months or so, 
the world understands that UAVs are no longer just a, a toy weapon. They're actually game-changing weapon. And um, Israel caught uh, last year uh, several UAVs that Iran was actually smuggling weapons with. Iran was loading some of its UAVs with pistols and weapons with the hope that they can fly low with a UAV across the border to Gaza and land there and give it to the Hamas. Very daring, if I may say. Anyway, bottom line is, in Ukraine, there's not much progress. The peace talks are kind of stuck. And I'm going to say something now that will maybe anger a lot of people, but I will say it anyway. The West is happy that Russia is stuck in Ukraine as the lo and the longer the Russians are there, the, the more they feel like the Russians are in the deep mud, losing right and left and and uh, you know not being able to to make uh, great progress. The, the, in, in, in other words, Russia's presence in Ukraine, the longer, the better it is for Western countries. Um, I also want you to know that um, as much as uh, my heart breaks for the Ukrainians in the world of politics, the Ukraine is the least of the concern of NATO and of uh, Russia and China and all of that. There is a power, a power battle right now between Russia and China on one side and NATO led uh, by America on the other side. And the Ukrainians are paying the price for it. Not just that, even when it comes to the Iranian nuclear deal that uh, I'm going to talk about right now. The Iranian nuclear deal that uh, the talks are in Vienna right now. And uh, quite, quite amazingly, um, America continues to push for a deal with a regime that has just attacked the area where the American consulate is being built in Erbil in northern Iraq. So I'm not sure what is it that, uh, how is it that the um, U.S. administration is thinking right now? Everything on the ground says don't have a deal with them. But from some strange, mysterious, unexplained reason, they are still pushing for, forward for a, a deal. Now, so let's talk a little bit about the Iran deal, okay? It's important that uh, you understand what we are dealing with, okay? I, I want you to, uh, to understand that. So first of all, I would like to tell you that um, the biggest uh, winner of the Iran deal is going to be China. Russia right now is under heavy sanctions. In fact, it's the most sanctioned country on planet Earth, more than North Korea, more than Iran, more than China, more than any other country. And China is pushing for this deal because China will be the greatest winner of all. If Russia is not going to be able to buy anything from China or to, uh, to Iran or sell anything to Iran, it's the Chinese that already have an agreement for 25 years and it can be extended to 50 years. Iran is basically enslaved to China. And China will give Iran all of its weapon that Iran needs, all the deals with 
oil that Iran wants. Iran will do with, 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 uh, with, you see, America will not gain anything from it. America, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure why America runs towards this one when, you know, the original thought in 2015 was that Iran will be open to do business with the West, but Iran is not. Iran does business with China. China owns Iran in a sense with a, an agreement for 25 years and, and maybe even later on for 25 more years. Now, I, I want you to know that the Iranians not only want to get back to the deal of 2015, but they want the Iranian Revolutionary Guards to be uh, taken out of the list of terror organizations and therefore to make them a legitimate organization. This is the organization that has been killing not only Americans, uh, but, but, but so many Iranians as well. And it's, I have horrific videos of how they torture people, how they beat up women, how they um, uh, execute um, uh, athletes and journalists. It's, it's just terrible to, to even think that it's going to uh, be like that. Now, you have to understand that um, the Sunni countries of Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states, they are not happy with how America is pushing for this deal. And this is maybe why the, uh, uh, the uh, Saudis executed 81 um, rebels and political opponents. Almost all of them are Shiites. And that, of course, led to the Iranians to completely disengage from the Saudis uh, after they had, the, you know, some peace talks between them. I want you to understand that the Saudis are not even picking up the phone that uh, uh, President Biden is calling them in order to uh, increase oil production and so the, the price will go lower. They are actually decreasing production. They want the price to be up. And guess who wins? Not only the, Rus the uh, uh, Saudis, but the Russians as well. Now, I want, to, I want you to know something pretty, uh, uh, pretty amazing that is going on with uh, uh, this Iran deal. Russia was the biggest force to push for an Iran deal. And what is this deal? The deal is this. Iran will only enrich uranium up to 5% enrichment. Uh, Iran will receive $7 billion that are now held in South Korea because of sanctions. Iran will release every Western uh, prisoner that it is holding. And of course, look what the Iranians are doing. They, they just put allegations, false allegations on some Western people put them in prison for years, and, and now they extort the West to give them whatever they want in order to release those people. Um, Iran will also uh, do uh, business, uh, get billions of dollars. Its economy has to be revived. And eventually, eventually, two and a half years from now, Iran will be free to build centrifuges and enrich them as, as much as it wants. This whole agreement is only for two and a half years. Can you imagine what Iran can do in two and a half years with the billions that it's going to get? And for what? For not enriching more than 5% for, for only two and a half years? 
Guys, the Israeli Mossad in 2018 found traces of, of uranium in many sites in Iran that Iran never revealed to the International Atomic Agency. The Iranians don't have any explanation. Rafael Grossi, the head of the IAEA, um, traveled to Tehran, received no answers from there. And, and now they're willing to renew a deal based on, you know, let's have something in the future because we cannot fix the past. Israel understand, by the way, that this deal is getting less um, and uh, uh, for less time also. Uh, this is, um, this is um, probably the worst deal you can ever have with the Iranians. And I can't believe, I'm amazed, I'm ashamed uh, that they, they're going to sign anything with the Iranians that will be, uh, you know, Winston Churchill said to his friend Lord Moyne in September of 1938, just at the eve of the Munich uh, conference that was supposed to stop a world war, and it's supposed to appease Hitler at the time, he said, I have the bleak uh, feeling that we have to choose between, we're going to have to choose between shame and war, and I think we're going to choose shame, and then war will be thrown at our door, uh, doorstep. Um, uh, the point is this, we're... The, the, the powers are going to choose shame with an agreement in Iran with Iran, but eventually a war will come. I know that the war will come because we're going to deal with that in a few minutes. But there is no doubt in my mind, ladies and gentlemen, that um, now watch this. Russia originally was the power to push for the Iran deal. Russia was the one to volunteer to get all the extra enriched uranium out of Iran and store it in Russia. Russia was also the one to give Iran all the services it needs for its civilian nuclear program in Bushehr and to do all the business with the, Ukraine, with the uh, um, Iranians regarding their nuclear um, activity. Now, Russia uh, is now under sanctions. And so guess what? Take a look at this. Uh, it says here that Iran deal may keep billion dollar Russia sanctions loophole, uh, those nuke experts are saying. Basically, and that explained maybe why Russian Minister Lavrov says that he received U.S. guarantees over Iran nuclear deal. Basically, America has agreed, or at least according to the Russian foreign minister, America has agreed to not activate the sanctions on Russia when it comes to Russia and Iran dealing with this nuclear deal. You know what it means? It means that all the sounds they made about sanctions and harsh sanctions and killing the Russian economy and bringing down Putin, these are all talking. The Ukrainians are dying. No one is helping them from the air. Nobody closes the skies of the Ukraine. Nobody gives them jets. Nobody, everybody says, we're imposing sanctions, sanctions. But then when it comes to 
the big deal that will make Russia, you know, billions, they're exempting that from the sanction. Now, I'm not even sure how President Biden is going to pass this, because from what I understand, there's a great opposition in Congress for that. Um, in fact, uh, from what I understand, um, U.S. Republican senators say that they will not back a new Iran deal. I know for a fact that uh, um, uh, the say is that once the midterm elections will take place and the House will swing back to Republican majority, they, they are definitely going to pull all the heavy weapons and to completely get out of this deal. And if there will be a, a Republican administration, maybe, who knows, they already said we're immediately going to cancel this deal. Now, President Biden is going for midterm election when the prices of gasoline are, are skyrocketing. Inflation is skyrocketing. And he is about to lift up sanctions from Iran and part part of the sanctions from Russia for the sake of this deal. Is it worth it to, to, to cause all of this for what? And then for you, you enjoy only two and a half years? I'm not even sure about that. But this is, this is the story, and I, I need you to understand, it grieves my heart to see world leaders so obsessed with something that gives nothing but billions to terror organizations as Iran is going to feed them very well, all of Iran's proxies. And that is exactly what the Saudis know. That is exactly what the Emiratis know. This is exactly what Israel knows. And that's why the Saudis are angry with America. And this is why the Saudis just said a few days ago, we think that it's time to do some business with China and do oil business with paying uh, based on the yuan rather than the U.S. petrodollar, which means the strength of the dollar is now going to get hit because of this whole thing. Very, very, very sad. You can clearly see the weakness of the person in the Oval Office is now projecting on the economy, on the status, on the on 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 everything that America is. Uh, to, to the world today. And it's very, 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 very sad. Now I would like to move to the Israel-Iran shadow war, which is the topic of this, um, of this um, you know, update. Just uh, less than a week ago, over the weekend, we saw the following footage of 12 ballistic missiles flying all the way from, take a look. Twelve ballistic missiles surface to surface Fatah 110 um, precise precision uh, missiles, all fired by the Iranian Revolutionary Guard from Tibriz. Take a look at the map of the distance that they took from the Tibriz missile base in uh, Kermanshah, all the way 171 miles to Erbil in northern Iraq in the territory of Kurdistan. And ladies and gentlemen, they hit the neighborhood 
the surroundings of the newly built U.S. consulate in Erbil. Now, eventually what they said is that they were aiming towards a, a secret Israeli Mossad operation. Take a look at this uh, villa that uh, um, was not even directly hit by the rockets, but by the um, obviously shocks of the uh, explosives. This is a villa, huge mansion. You have another picture of the uh, Iraqi prime minister and even the owner of the villa walking by the villa. And the owner is a multi-millionaire Kurdish Iraqi who is the chairman of an oil company. He says, this is my, my house. What do they want from me? This is my personal private mansion that the Iranians literally destroyed. Now, the Iranians say this is um, a base of the Israeli Mossad. They even threaten that there's more bases in that area. Let me tell you something. Israel may have stuff in that region, but I want to tell you, and you may want to believe me, because I know what I'm talking about, this house is not the place. And I will also tell you that if Israel has anything there, it's certainly not above the ground. And let me also tell you, folks, that um, the Iranians, when they were asked, why did you do that? And why do you do it now? Minutes before you sign a deal. That tells you how much their will to avenge and revenge goes above and beyond their common sense. Now, why is it that the Iranians attacked? If you follow me on Telegram, and if you've been watching these Middle East updates for long enough, I reported a month ago while I was in the U.S. of an Israeli operation in Kermansheh in that Tibriz missile base where Israeli UAVs, Mossad-operated UAVs, carrying super, super uh, powerful explosive, eventually hit a silo, a, a, a uh, storehouse, where hundreds of brand new Iranian-made UAVs, that's where they uh, were stored. These were reconnaissance, attack, suicide. These are all uh, UAVs that Iran, this is, this is the new weapon. This is the new thing. And uh, you can clearly see uh, hundreds of Iranian drones destroyed in, Isra uh, in Israel attributed attack last month. Only now, all the, the newspapers uh, start reporting that. I reported that that same night. Again, if you follow my telegram, that same night I reported that it happened. We know that it happened because we are connected with locals that live in the area. When the Iranian Revolutionary Guard immediately seal off all the surroundings, when you see ambulances, when you see fire, firefighters all storming into a place, when you see secondary blasts and more and more and more, something big happened and the Iranians will never tell you, will never admit that something big happened. And already then I reported that it was a storehouse of hundreds of UAVs. 
All of that is now coming out because the Iranians are saying these 12 ballistic missiles were sent to where we believe Israel operated this whole operation from. Very, very interesting thing. Now, I want to tell you that um, there's no doubt that Israel has been engaged in what we call the war between the wars. Uh, the war between the wars. It is, in my eyes, the war before the war, because this is a shadow war where we don't say we did, we did anything and they don't say that anything happened. See, they don't admit, but we don't also admit anything, but things happen. I'd like to show you an interesting list of things that happen over the last three and a half to four years in Iran. In, uh, in Tehran, in January of, of uh, 2018, Israeli Mossad agents stole the nuclear secrets from the vaults in a warehouse. Uh, on, on June 25th of 2020 in Perchin, this is a military site, Israeli cyber attack caused an explosion in a missile storage facility. Natanz, the enrichment facility, in July 2nd, 2020, explosion at centrifuge assembly facility caused by explosives installed in construction materials, which were then used in construction work in the facility. In uh, November of 20, uh, 2020, Israel killed the father of the Iranian nuclear, the, uh, nuclear program, Muhsen Fakhrizadeh, an autonomous gun used a, using AI, artificial intelligence technology, was operated by Mossad agents. Natan's second incident on April 11, 2021, explosives smuggled by food trucks by Iranian scientists whom the Mossad had tricked into blowing up their own facility caused a blackout which caused massive damage to those centrifuges. TSA Centrifuge Factory. This is a, a, a company that makes centrifuges in Karaj. There was a quad, a quad uh, a copter drone attack using drones smuggled in piece at the time, uh, in one piece at a time at, on Iran Centrifuge Technology Company. A third incident in the Natanz Enrichment Facility on uh, December 2021, a blast that occurred around the Natanz facility. Iran says that they were testing air defenses, but other sources say that the Mossad carried out a successful sabotage operation at the underground complex. And of course, this famous incident from last month in the Kremansha drone storage in February 14, Israel sent six drones into Iran, which destroyed a facility that housed hundreds of Iranian attack drones. Ladies and gentlemen, this, these are the things I can tell you about. There's more that I cannot tell you about. A lot of people are, are very anxious and they're afraid of of. of reality, um, but they want to know reality. And this is exactly why I decided that this entire war between Israel and Iran, I would like to uh, give it to hundreds of thousands of people in a fiction way. And if you guys ever read Operation Yoktan, uh, my uh, thriller, my first fiction book, Operation Yoktan, 
which by the way is a USA Today um, and a, a week publisher weekly bestseller. I, I have some interesting news. Our next book is being written right now. It's already on Amazon and it is about the Israeli operation in Iran. It's called By Way of Deception. This is book number two, highly anticipated by so many people who read Yoktan already, the story of Nir Tavor and Nicole LaRue. And uh, you can already pre-order it on Amazon.com, By Way of Deception. And I want to tell you the story of how he stole the archive from Iran, the story of all the sabotage in, in, in Natanz, and many more things that you want to know about are all in that book. So this is the first time I ever mentioned this new book where me and Steve are working on it right now, and it will be available by October of this year. Now, let me also uh, tell you that this is just the war before the war. But the real war, the real war that the Bible talks about where Persia, Iran, is mentioned, is, of course, in Ezekiel chapter 38. And I can read to you that portion when the Lord uh, uh, said to um, uh, you know, Ezekiel, Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, Tuval, and prophesy against him and say to him, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you. God is against Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tuval. And look, he says, I'll turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and lead you out with your great army. Look what he says. He's bringing him all the way to the land of Israel, he said. But then he says, that other nations will join him, such as Persia and Ethiopia and Libya with Gomer and the house of Togarma. Persia is the biblical name of Iran. Look, the Iran deal is not in the Bible. The Ukraine war is not in the Bible. The tension between America and China and Russia is not in the Bible. But when it comes to Israel, it is in the Bible. And I'm not sure what the deal is, and I'm not sure what this, but I do know one thing. All the attempts to appease Iran will not stop Iran from coming against Israel. I know that, and you know that, because the Bible says that. And you know what? So far, the Bible has been more accurate than any newspaper, any, any book, any analyst, any intelligence uh, organization in the world. You look, uh, the Bible knows the end from the beginning. The Bible says that God is telling us through this word everything. He declares things that are not yet done. So I trust this way more than I trust the Iranians, way more than I trust uh, the Americans or the Europeans or the Russians or the Chinese. This is the word of God. And if the word of God says that eventually Russia will come against Israel, then I'm not sure how it's going to end up in the Ukraine, whether Russia will be uh, uh, leaving soon or stay or maybe attack more countries. But I do know, and that one thing everyone needs to understand, Russia will come against Israel. Persia, Iran will come against Israel. So this is what I know. Everything else that is happening nowadays, we can speculate on it, we can think, we can analyze it. It's nice. 
but you better hold on to the things that we know that are going to happen because they are the anchor in through those things we know how to make sense of things that are happening today in the rest of the world and i i, I just want to you know bring you now as we speak on iran and on its eventually attempt to destroy us now let's talk about the festival of purim because a lot of people don't understand what is purim why do we call it purim purim means lots and let's go to the book of Esther, that is the book that is being read now in every synagogue around the world. In chapter 3, it says, After these things, King Achashverosh promoted Haman, the son of uh, Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Uh, then uh, the king's servants who were with within the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened. When they spoke to him daily at and, and he could not listen to them, he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But the dis, but the disdained but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Achashverosh, the people of, uh, of Mordecai. And then the Bible says, and in the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Achashverosh, they cast poor See why Purim? That is a lot before Haman to determine the day and the month until it fell on the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. And then Haman said to King Achashverosh, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other people, and they do not keep the king's Laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. Ladies and gentlemen, now you understand Purim is to cast lot. Purim is the plural of poor, which is lot. They cast lots. And I want you to understand that uh, Haman saw something that even um, way before him, someone else saw. Let's go back now to the book of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, it is the book of Numbers 22. And we all remember Balaam. 
The Bible says the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him and, and, uh, at the words of Balak. And he said to them, lodge here tonight and I will bring back words to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with ba ba Balaam. And then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? And of course, um, um, we, we, we know that Balaam eventually, and allow me, I, probably I made a mistake. Uh, there is more to read in chapter 23 of, um, of uh, uh, Leviticus. Um, and I would like to read it to you because this is so amazing. Remember what Haman said about the Jews, that they're different. And so the Bible says the following thing in regards to um, in, in regards to um, um, Numbers 23, okay? So I'm reading Numbers 23, and there you go. Uh, look what he says. And then he took up his oracle and said, and I'm reading from verse 18, Rise up, Balak, and hear, listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor son of man that he should repent. He has said, and he will not do, or has he spoken, and he will not make his good? Behold, I have received the command to bless. And isn't that interesting how uh, he says to them the following thing? Um, he said in verse 8, How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself. It should have been Numbers 23, by the way. Not reckoning itself among the nations. Not reckoning itself themselves among the nations. Israel was meant to be set apart. Israel was meant to be different. Israel was meant not to reckon itself among the nation. There, he said, I see. I see them. Behold, people dwelling alone. This is the story of, of my nation, story of my country, the story of my people. And this is also the story of every believer as well. Allow me to remind all of us that now, now in Christ, in 1 Peter 2, it says, verse 9, but you now, you are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you, you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light. John 17, 15 to 19. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, Jesus said about his disciples, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So only through the word of God we can be sanctified. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified 
by the truth. So you can clearly see how we are set apart as well. This is why in 2 Corinthians 6 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with a non-believer? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So I want to I want to tell you that all of you, all of you believers, should understand that what Haman saw in the Jewish people, that they were different, that they were not taking part of, of idol worshiping, that they were not bowing down to the other gods. What he saw and took it, uh, took it as an offense and therefore wanted to destroy them, this is something that is going to be the portion of the life of every believer. The Bible says that we're going to be, you know, that believers will always be persecuted for his sake, not persecuted for anything else. Look, if you sit in jail for something, you better sit in jail for the gospel's sake, not for anything else. I'm telling you that. Because too many Christians over the last two years were willing to go to, the, to, to, to jail for other things than the gospel. Trust me, that's not what you want to do. This is not what we're called to do. We're called to fight for the gospel. And if we have to be persecuted, it's for the gospel, not for our civil rights and our civil freedoms and all of that. For the gospel's sake, yes, we will be persecuted and we will be ridiculed and we will be um, you know, they'll they look for us and want to, you know, push, throw us in jail. Yes, it's going to happen. So I want you to know that the same way Haman looked at the Jewish people as different and was angry, it's the same way the enemy is looking at every Bible believer, follower of Christ, and he's angry as well. We have been called to be set apart. Jesus said that we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. So we are have been set apart. This is These are amazing verses that we just read. And so I want to encourage you in this festival to look into yourself and see if you have any communion with the things of this world, if your battles are for the things of this world, if your passion are, is for the things of this world, or you understand exactly why you're here for and what for. And you understand that you will, you're designed to be different. You're designed to be set apart. And unfortunately, you're also designed to be hated by this world. So this was the update about the war between the war. Again, first time that I mention a new, uh, the sequence of uh, Operation Yoktan. And this is by way of deception. You can already pre-order it on Amazon.com. We're still writing it as we speak. But um, all the story of the, the war in Iran on the ground from the stealing of the archive all the way to unbelievable operations there 
based on true story, but it's also a story of an Israeli and of a Christian girl and their story of faith. And so the gospel is weaved into, we weave the gospel into this amazing educational informative story. This is book two of us of the series of Near Tavor Mossad thriller. Good. Well, let me uh, bless you with the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his shalom, his peace. That peace that surpasses all understanding, even in times of war, in times of uncertainty, in times of pandemics, in times of so much deception, his peace, his word, his promises are yes and amen. We thank you, Lord, for that. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua Mashiach, we pray. Amen. Again, if you haven't done so, revealing revelation. Pre-order it on Amazon. It will be out soon. It helps us to get all these books in unbelievable uh, non-Christian secular venues like huge department stores and other places. Go and get it. it. And there's a workbook also if you want to work and study the entire book of Revelation in a much easier way than, than deep theological uh, you know, stuff. This is for the lay person, the average uh, Christian, to understand God's promise for us, the believers, in these last days. Thank you. God bless you. And shalom. And if you are not following me on Telegram, please do so, and we'll show you how. Thank you. God bless you. And shalom. Join the Amir Sarfari and Behold Israel channel on Telegram. Here you will receive daily updates and audio messages from Amir. You can also take part in our community and reply with comments. Join the Amir Sarfati and Behold Israel channel on Telegram. Here you will receive daily updates and audio messages from Amir. You can also take part in our community and reply with comments. Getting started is easy. Simply download Telegram from the App Store, then visit the Behold Israel Telegram channel in your browser. From there, click Preview Channel, then click Join. That's it. See you on Telegram.